Well, we are going to continue in this message series we're calling Enough as we're in the book of Colossians. Colossians, if you've got a Bible with you, I'm going to get you to start looking for that. Colossians is a letter in the New Testament. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 2, starting at verse 11. Uh, It's it's a book or a letter written by that guy named the Apostle Paul. Paul wrote this letter to a church in Colossae. That's why we call them the Colossians. He was in prison as he was writing. So from his captivity, he's writing to these people who were were being somewhat bombarded with some false teaching. And uh, they needed to, you know, shore up their understanding of what was true and what was right and what they had been taught. And so he's been teaching them about kind of standing strong in their faith. If you were here last Sunday, you caught the Apostle Paul talking sort of in horticultural terms. as He, he talked about roots, getting your roots down into into Christ, uh, clinging to Jesus, that it's that what's in the... F- Root is what's going to come out in the fruit of the tree. And we challenged each other as well last week to, to overflow with thankfulness, to put that into practice. I don't know if you had a chance to do that. You might want to ask the person uh, beside you, if you, if the person you came with today say, um, how did I do? Did I overflow with thankfulness? Or maybe maybe ask them later, but they will they will tell you. And it's something we want to do. We want to be marked by people who are overflowing with thanksgiving. We want to be thankful people. Now, today's subject gets a little more awkward. It's somewhat medical. Uh, Paul's metaphor that he's going to get into today, but uh, we're going to go for it anyway. And it's uh, we're going to pick it up at Colossians chapter 2, um, starting at verse 11. Why don't you stand together with me for the reading of God's word? Colossians 2, from 11 to 15. He writes this, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. Verse 14, he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them at the cross. We thank the Lord for his word. Let's be seated together this morning. Well, I do not want to get too squeamish about this, but I do need to clarify this whole business of circumcision. For the men of Israel at that time, circumcision was the de facto sign and symbol of their covenant community, who they were were as a people. Now, um, talking about this always reminds me of of a little incident that happened when I was a youth in a youth group in church as a kid, because some things you don't forget and that was that we had this young gal, she had, her family had immigrated from England and uh, she, she didn't know what circumcision was. And so in front of the whole group, and these are the things that like scar your adolescence. And she said, um, what is circumcision? And that, you know, the poor leader had to, you know, try to squirm in front of all these adolescents ex- explain that. So if you don't know what it is, ask the person beside you, because I don't want to tell you from here. Um. For these folks, circumcision was not an optional act. It indicated belonging, and it it demonstrated parental commitment to raise their uh, sons in the faithfulness of the Lord. But it 
it's kind of too awkward to be a dinner table conversation, I think. Um, and, 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 you know, as an example, there's this like painfully, well, I would call it painfully humorous and tragic account in Genesis 34, where in a scheme to avenge the rape of their sister, Jacob, a couple of Jacob's sons tricked an entire town of men to um, get circumcised. And then while they were recovering, they attacked them, slaughtered, slaughtered them all. And, um, you know, those are those moments we say, yes, the Old Testament is at times bloody. And I'm convinced those stories are actually in there um, to keep junior high boys reading the Bible because they like the gruesome stuff. So at least I did. And I still kind of do. Um, so as important as circumcision uh, was for the Israelites, little did they know that it was actually a, a, like a like a pointing ahead to to what would come for for the work of of Jesus on the cross becomes that spiritual uh work in our own heart and they didn't recognize that it was just a just a picture of what was ahead and happens when we put our faith in Christ and not just for the Israelites but for all people including for us and if we're talking about this as a as a surgery we would say this we all need spiritual surgery we all need spiritual Surgery, and I will say one more thing about this. I've learned um, in working with people that uh, when something is uh, like a surgery of a delicate nature, uh, we don't call it a surgery; we call it a procedure. Have you noticed that? And so, if it's something you don't really want to talk about, you say, "Well, he's having a procedure." That's code for I don't want to talk about it. It's somewhere private. Leave me alone. So, anytime someone says they're having a procedure, just don't ask, okay? So, but the point is that we all need this procedure, this surgery, this cutting away of, of what most translations call the sinful nature. Literally, Paul calls it, calls it putting off the body of flesh. That's how, how he writes it literally in the Greek. And that is, what is that? That's our natural tendency to rebel against God. Our natural tendency to rebel against God. And of course, nobody likes Surgery, nobody looks forward to that. A spiritual surgery puts your spiritual heart under the spiritual knife. And it can hurt. It can hurt as Jesus cuts away immaturity and lust and promiscuity and drunkenness and rage and arrogance and and gossip and all those things. As we submit to him and he cuts that away, it can hurt. We feel it. But he's cutting away the shame of your past and the regret of your past and, and the wounds of things that that maybe you didn't do, but things that were done to you, and he cuts those wounds away, that scar tissue away. The surgeon may even have to cut away precious, you know, rituals and habits, uh, traditions that keep us in religion instead of keeping us, leading us into a relationship with Jesus. We need it. And you can't heal in your life if, if, if this surgery doesn't happen. You can't really fully experience this, what we have in the back of our Savior that's fully alive in Christ, and unless we let the surgeon do that work. It's about submitting to the surgeon and letting him work on us. Now, I want to talk about this business of the sinful nature. Some people, uh, so we've got different views on this. Some people think, okay, basically everybody's good. Everybody's basically good, and there's just a few bad apples in the box. You know, they're the ones who shoot up schools and become dictators of you know, South American countries. Those are the bad apples. But the rest of us, we're all basically good. That's one side. The other side of it says, no, we're all basically evil. We're all just terrible trash and we're just rotten to the core and, and we're just, by the grace of God, we're just all bound to be, you know, horrible terrorists. Basically good 
intrinsically evil? Which is it? Well, truthfully, it's really somewhere in between. Let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Like you, the majority of us are just trying to do the right thing. We want to live a good life. We want to provide for our family. We, we want to, you know, be good neighbors, all those things. But we all, every single one of us, you and me included, right? We're born with a sin nature. It's in our nature to sin. We all sin. No one needs to teach us how to sin. No one needs to, to teach a two-year-old how to rebel and say, no, that just comes naturally. That's the sin nature in us. No man is surprised that pornography is attractive. No, no you, you know, we can all admit that we've told a lie or, or that we've fibbed at least a little or that we selfishly wanted our own way or we've judged people unfairly or all those different things. We've all done those things and no one had to teach us how because it came naturally. It's in our nature to sin. And Jesus said, even those sins that we think are harmless, something like calling your friend a fool, he says that's as bad as murder. We all sin. The sin nature comes out in other ways too. Things like fear or lack of trust or, or bickering or complaining or jealousy or, or maybe even more destructive ways like addiction or explosive anger or abuse or adultery. And we'd love for all that to go away. We'd love for that just to be gone. We'd just love to like say, okay, I'm just from now on, I'm always going to be a good person. I'm just going to work on myself. And, and, and just cut all that stuff out. I'm just going to work on myself. I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to sing a little louder. I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to do my own surgery. But you can't. Because you're not like this guy. Maybe you've heard of this guy. His name's Leonid Rogozov. And Leonid, in 1960, performed his own appendectomy. That guy's metal. Right? He... uh he was the, the only surgeon, the only doctor on a, on a team in the Antarctic, 1960, and it had to be done or he would die. He performed no anesthetic. Certainly not, not yeah, he, that's right. He don't know what I say. He just did this surgery. I mean, I don't know, but I'm not sure that they make real men like that anymore. Like that is so incredibly manly. But we're not that guy. And certainly not spiritually. We can't, we can't perform our own spiritual surgery. We need this cutting away of our sin nature and all its destructive patterns and habits. Literally, Paul calls it, calls it the circumcision of Christ. Surgery on the most sensitive parts of ourselves. Those hidden places, those places that are tender, those places we don't want anybody to see, those things that we don't want anybody to touch. That's the places where the Savior needs to go. So that we can be set free and identify with Jesus, our Savior. Okay, but how? How does that happen? How's this going to go? Verses 11 and 12 uh, say this. Let's put this one on the screen. Read it there. When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit about baptism here for a moment. I wonder if you have been baptized. Most most of us maybe in this room have been baptized. And some people want to claim that, well, baptism is the spiritual surgery. Baptism is that act of immersion in the water. That's what saves you. That, that you're not saved until you're baptized. Well, 
That's not what the Bible teaches. It's not what Paul's telling us here. Right? The spiritual procedure that we're talking about, it's the work of Jesus. Jesus' work on your heart. The surgeon's work. In, in, in the same way that, that a surgeon, I mean, a, a patient needs to submit to the doctor, submit to the surgeon, and put faith in that surgeon, right? It's, it's in the same way that it's only by submitting to Christ, by being honest, by being vulnerable, by being, letting us, you know, be open. Yeah, I mean, just think of a patient. You, you, you can't get surgery if you don't lie down on the table and undergo that anesthetic or what I, what I do. You have to submit to the surgeon the same way we submit to Jesus. We get honest. We get vulnerable. We repent. We confess our sin. We put our faith in Him. And it's only in that process that Jesus can cut away that sin nature that we, that we have. Baptism then is the confirmation of that surgical procedure. It's a symbolic burial of the dead. Cut away old self. That old flesh that gets buried. That's what it symbolizes. Baptism does not save you. Let me be very clear. Baptism does not save you. That's why baptizing infants for salvation is at best misleading and at worst unbiblical. Only your faith in Christ will save you. Only your decision to say, Jesus, I repent of my sin. I turn my life to follow you. I believe that Jesus, you're the son of God, that you died for my sin and rose again. Only in that process are you saved. And yet a believer's baptism really is essential because it symbolizes this act of burying your old self, of laying it down on the grave, that dead old person, and being raised to new life as a new person in Christ. That's why we immerse. If you look over there, you see that kind of oak piece of furniture. That's that's our baptism tank. Right now it's full of fairly warm water. No one's scheduled to be baptized today. By the end of this today, somebody might say, you know, I want to be baptized. And I'm ready for you if, if that's going to be you today. I've got clean towels and you get a free t-shirt. Don't do it for the t-shirt. Right? But it's in that, that laying down in the grave... In coming to life, that's what it's symbolized that Jesus has done that work of making me a new person. Some of us overthink baptism. We, we just process it too hard. We, we think, well, I gotta be better to get baptized. I really gotta get it kind of all worked out. I gotta get my spiritual ducks in a row. I gotta like have it kind of managed. And so you put it off because you feel unworthy about baptism. I, I'm telling you, that's, that's an impossibility. How perfect would you be? When would good enough be good enough? You know what that is? That's back to performing that your own surgery. That's saying, I'm just going to try harder. I'm, I'm just going to be better. I, I'm, I'm just going to stop cussing. And I'm going to stop, you know, I'm going to stop being a jerk to my friends. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to tithe. And I'm going to stop looking at pornography. And, and then I'm going to be good enough. And then I'll be baptized. You're, what you're doing is you're saying, I'm cutting my own surgery. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Because Jesus is the one that saves you. It's your faith in Him alone that saves you. So some of you overthink it. Thinking you gotta be worthy enough somehow. That's wrong. Some of us think too little of baptism. That, well, it's just a symbol. It doesn't really matter. So, you know, it doesn't matter if I get baptized or not. So, who cares? Well, that is the other end of the error spectrum because now you're, 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 you're being disobedient to the command 
of, of Scripture to repent and be baptized. Okay, so think about it too much, too high, too low. Some of us get too spiritual about baptism, too mystical about it. Well, I just, I just need like a special revelation from God. I like when the clouds open and I just hear the voice of the Lord and I have a special feeling and there's an epiphany from God. Well, that's not going to happen either. That's not going to happen because God's already revealed his will for you in this. In scripture, it already tells you what to do. So if you haven't been baptized, don't let it freak you out. If you have, if you, if you, if you have been baptized, maybe you're praying for a friend or family member to be baptized, don't, don't freak out about this either. Don't, don't panic on this. But it is a simple thing. Repent, Bible teaches, and be baptized. Repent means to confess your sin and turn away from it and turn and say, I'm going to follow Jesus as my Lord and be baptized. The promise is that you will receive the Holy Spirit and this promise is for, for everyone who believes. The way we do this here is that that we, um, you know, if someone's going to be baptized, you have to be willing to say publicly, yes, I am a follower of Jesus. Like that song we just sang, I've decided to follow Jesus. I've turned from my sin. I trust that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died and rose again. I, I'm going to follow him. And that's what it takes to, that's the confession, the testimony, and then you're baptized. The only reason not to get baptized is if you're not sure if you really want to follow Jesus. I respect that. If you're saying, I'm still figuring this out, that's fine. No harm, no foul. But it's like I, I've sometimes used the illustration of, of this wedding ring. This wedding ring on my hand is, this does not make me married. Just if I'd gone to the store and bought a ring, it would not make me married. If some random woman just said, hey, I want you to, to wear this, that would not make me married. It's a symbol of a promise, a vow, a covenant that my wife and I made to each other. There's no good reason for me not to wear that ring. But the ring isn't what makes me married. Do you understand the connection? It's very similar in in baptism. There's no good reason not to wear this. But it's not what makes me married. All right. Again, baptism is not the spiritual procedure we're talking about today. That surgical removal of your sinful nature is what Jesus does When you trust him, when you repent for your sin and put your faith in him, that's what makes you alive in Christ. Now, let's carry on. In verse 13, uh, Paul's really reinforcing this death, burial, and new life. In fact, why don't you read this with me out loud? Ready? Go. You were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He forgave all our sins and made us alive. The Christian can say, I was dead and now I'm alive. So I'm going to ask this question. Are you dead or alive? Are you dead or are you alive? See, I I, I really do love the contrast in this, this short passage here. Dead, alive, buried, raised, circumcised, uncircumcised, physical, spiritual... Paul's great at doing those because it really gets us, draws us back to the clarity of this sort of black and white perspective, right down to basics. No hemming and hawing about this. Either your faith is in Christ or it's not. You either are alive or you're dead. If you trust in Jesus for forgiveness, you're alive. And believe me, you don't always feel like it. You don't always feel like you're alive. 
Because you still do stuff you'd like to undo. You still do stuff that you regret. You still think things you shouldn't think, say things you shouldn't say, look at things you shouldn't look at, go places you shouldn't go, and you think, ah, what am I doing? Why aren't I getting this right? I must, I must not really be alive in Christ. I'm telling you, the truth is, you are alive in Christ by your faith in Him. And there's this tension, this kind of ongoing battle between the old person that says, but this feels so good in the moment and feels terrible later. And, and, and this seems so hard over here, and can't I do that later when I'm older? And, and, and Jesus is in the process of saying, taking your hand, saying, come away from that. That's not who you are anymore. That's not, that's not the real you anymore. Come on over this way. And, and remember, we've talked about this before. It's not about like where you've arrived. It's about the direction that you're moving. Are you heading in the right direction? Are you getting to where Jesus is calling you to be? Or are you saying, no, Jesus, I just want to do this. I deliberately want to do this. Well, then you are saying, I would rather be dead in sin than alive in Christ. But the recognition is we all struggle. We all struggle with sin. You and I are no exception to that rule. The difference is this. When you were dead in your sin, you didn't care about your sin. Your conscience didn't worry much about sex before marriage or cheating on your taxes or lying to your spouse. It didn't matter because you were dead in sin, so who cares? But now, now you know better. Now you've become alive in Christ. Your, your conscience has been refreshed. And it bugs you when you sin. You feel it. Why is that? It's because the old person, the old flesh was cut away. And you were buried. And you were raised to life. And your new life doesn't want to do those things that you used to do. You feel it like, I don't think I, I don't think I should be doing this. That's a good sign. That means you're alive. If you're doing something in sin and you feel it like, I think this is a bad. Good sign. That's a good sign. That means like, Oh, I'm so alive in Christ. Okay, I I recognize that that's not where I want to be. That's not who I want to be. That's not what I want to do. Maybe I could just get one of the ushers or something to pull that back door closed so they can do their have their good time up there. I think they're having a great time upstairs. Your old life doesn't want to do the things your your new life doesn't want to do the things your old life did because you've been made alive. In Christ. So, when a person comes to Christ, they'll immediately recognize that something's changed. They'll say, I, I've heard things like this. People will tell me stuff like this. They pray, receive Christ, you say, how do you feel? Oh, it's like a backpack's off my shoulders. Or they'll say, oh, I feel like, I feel like I can breathe. I feel like there's like a weight off my chest. When, uh, Dave Friesen, you were there, and Henry Blau, you were there, I was there, we were in the Philippines, and we were sharing, had the opportunity to share the, the gospel with a lot of people, and shared our testimony, invited them to faith in Christ, and you say, so what are you feeling? Oh, I feel Jesus is in my heart. I mean, they recognized it, they sensed it, they felt it, they knew there was something alive in them that wasn't there before, and it's by faith. Surgery has made them new. And there's one last thing I think we need to catch out of this passage this morning, and that's this. That, that not only do you need that surgery, not only do you need to be able to answer the question, am I dead or am I alive? You need to know when you have put your faith in Jesus, you're on the winning team. You're on the winning team. I love verse 14. Look at this one. He says this, he canceled the record of charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I just love the visual of that. Boom. It's done. Right? And then in verse 15. 
He says this, in this, in fact, read this one with me. Ready? Go. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Just imagine this visual. Jesus is winning and he's humiliating his opponents. Think about this like a sporting event. Basketball players, anybody following the the NBA final, right? This is Jesus draining three-pointers when he's already up 105 to 35. Just because he can, right? This is, okay, hockey players, I mean hockey fans, right? This is, this is Jesus scoring empty netters when he already owns the ice. I mean, it's already 10 nothing and he just, just cut, and he took away their sticks, right? I mean, just, just because he can. This is, this is football fans, right? The, I, I know this is cheesy, but just work with me on this one, right? This is Jesus intercepting every pass and running it to the end zone and spiking it for another touchdown. Right? This is, this is Jesus, you know, hitting grand slams when he's already pitched the perfect game. You, you get my sense? Like, Jesus wins and humiliates the opponent. And according to Colossians 2, Jesus tore up the guilty charges against you. You know that the enemy wants to accuse you, say, you're no good, you're a sinner, you do those bad things. How dare you call yourself a Christian? What kind of Christian are you? You did that? Can you? I can't believe you would have done that. Jesus went to the cross for those sins. And he, Jesus tore up. He nailed those charges to the cross and said, done, paid for, it's over. Publicly humiliates the enemy. So that by faith, you are not guilty, you are not condemned, you are alive, you are a new creation. That's who you are in Christ, even though there's lots of days when you don't feel like it. But that's the truth of who you are. And you're invited now to live out of that new identity, to make some progress, to make steps in that Jesus direction, walking in freedom and victory over sin. Jesus wins, he's your team captain, you're on his team, and his team wins. Well, next week, we're going to go a little further into this about, about the danger of religion, how destructive religion can be to your life, how it keeps you trapped in rules and regulations because they sound good, but they're actually keeping you from a relationship with God. So we're going to talk a little about that next Sunday. For today, I want to leave you with these three thoughts that we all need that spiritual procedure, that spiritual surgery in our heart. Only Jesus can perform it cutting away the dead flesh and making us alive. We got to recognize, am I dead? Have I submitted? Am am I unsubmitted to Jesus? Or am I alive, submitted to Christ? And then lastly, you need to know that you're on the winning team. And when your faith's in Jesus, you're on his winning team. So we're going to close in prayer. But I, I said I would give you an opportunity. This tank is ready. I've never done this before where we give someone the opportunity to be baptized without a little bit more of a process. Um, but today's an opportunity. If you're saying, I'm ready. I My faith in Jesus. I've turned from my sin. I've made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I haven't been baptized. Today would be a great day to do that. We'll help you with that. As I close in prayer, if you're saying, I, I sense it. I just, I got to get baptized today. I invite you just to come sit on the front row. I'll just like do a little interview with you about about what about your faith, and then we'll see about baptizing you. All right. So while I'm praying, if you're feeling this is for me, just come sit on that front uh, front chair. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you that you have, um, you've accomplished the work. It's done. It's finished. Everything that you've done is enough. And Jesus, we just say today, we put our faith in you. We put our trust in you to do that work of, of, of that spiritual surgery, that, that circumcision that cuts away those, those places that are de- dead. And to make us alive in you. And Lord, for the person today who just feels like, I know this, but I just don't feel it. God, would you give them just a glimpse, a taste of the good things that you have for them in their life and the confidence to trust you. Lord, we love you. We just thank you that you have a deep, deep love for us. And we give you our praise in all these things. Amen. Amen.